Welcome to the show. It's Real Talk with the Six Man. I'm your host, the Six Man. This podcast is uncut, unscripted, and we talk about a wide range of topics such as black entrepreneurship, social injustice, education, finances, the family dynamic, Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, and mental health, along with many more. It's a Real Talk podcast to empower, educate, encourage, uplift, and inspire, and to allow others to be better than they were yesterday. You're listening to my daddy, the sixth man. Be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday I gotta be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday We gotta be better, do better, that's every minute, every second uh. Drop a juice, hope you collecting them. The voice of the people, we all gon' get heard. This real spill, never clear what I say. Always tuned in, never tuned out. Gotta stay walking, be a sleepwalker. Gotta stand up, got too many stand out. Stay ready, like the six man of the year. We up now. We, we, we up now. Be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday. No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back, man. Welcome back. It's a lot going on. And I want to talk about a couple things. So, again, yeah, welcome back to the show, y'all. It's Real Talk with the Six Man. I'm your host, the Six Man. Um, And I got a guest tonight, man. I'm I'm excited because I've been saying that I wanted to get him on for a while. And uh, finally, you know, know, God makes a way, man. Shit happens. So, you know, we're going to try to make it. Make it do what he do, man. So I got my man Rail on the phone. Me and Rail met um down in Dale State. I think this might have been what Rail like ninety seven. Yeah, ninety seven, y'all. Ninety seven, and we 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 been you know we've been we've been I want to say we 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 stayed connected since then. I mean we've had our journeys and our um our experiences in Dale State with the MLK Center and you know the yard so to speak. But now we're in a um a grown man mind state. And now we got a lot of stuff going on in this country. And I think that I want to just kind of continue, you know, my my platform and try to talk about stuff as much as I can. So I, I so I wanted to reach out to you because it was some stuff that happened in Baltimore um, that I wanted to, you know, get get your thought on. But I want you to kind of tell everybody how you doing, how the family doing, what it looked like and you know, COVID-19 and then everything else that's going on that you see. Got you, man. First of all, thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate the opportunity. For sure. Like I said, whenever, you know, the avenue avails for me to have a conversation with a good guy about some good things that's going on, whether good or bad in our community, I'm going to take that opportunity. But uh, pretty much with COVID-19, I'm a, a high school administrator. I'm the dean of students at 
a high school in Dover. And uh, pretty much, you know, COVID, you know, blocks out everyone, you know. It kind of went from zero to 60. We were kind of preparing for it on the back end. I was kind of having conversations around the building with the nurses and things of that nature about COVID coming, and everybody kind of thought it was a joke. Mm. So when it finally hit, you know, it was it was kind of crazy because it went so fast. It went from, you know, hey, this might happen to, hey, the kids are not coming back. Hey, you're not coming back. Hey, right. the school year's over. Right. So right. we kind of been dealing with that, man. I have twin girls, so the blessing is they're old enough where I didn't have to take on the teacher role to teach them. I was very excited about that because if they were elementary school age, then I would basically have to be their teacher. But put them being in high school, it's pretty much plug and play with them, and they responded well. Good. So the wife's doing well. She's a, in the education field as well. So okay. we've been home since March, man, and, and just kind of using this time to bond, man, kind of using this time to build those relationships and then, like I said, enhance them. You know, it's one right. thing if uh, we were all ripping and running. Right. And then it just came to a, a, a screeching halt. Right. I'd probably be the most ripping and running in this family, so – the adjustment was probably toughest for me because I'm always on the go, always going back to Baltimore, going home, mm-hmm. doing things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when this hit, it was just a matter of sitting down. So right. uh, I stepped up my fitness game. Yes, um, you did. So, so I'm on day <laughs> 70, man. Right. Uh, closing my rings on my Apple app, man. So right. I'm just trying, man. I'm just trying to do the best I can and then come out of this thing on top. Man, listen, man, you know, um, I think when I first started saying that I was going to try to get it in a little bit more. It was like your lives was coming on every day. Yes. I was like, yeah. man, real is really not bullshitting. And then the day, and then the day you posted uh, the video when you was um in the weight room and you was doing right. 225, I was like, oh yeah, he, re- okay. I really got to step my game up. I really right. got to stop playing. So I went and bought my little board, my little power press board. And so I'm, I'm, I'm more traditional with mine. Like I do a lot of squats. Um, I do a lot of push-ups. Um, the push-up board allows me to target um, back, chest, uh, shoulders, and triceps. So that's what I kind of, I kind of work on the board. I mean, because that you know you, I, you kind of got to stay in your lane. Like I mean, right. everybody kind of do what they like. I've never been the type of person where, if I went to the gym just because that worked for you, don't necessarily mean it's gonna work for me. My routine that's is gonna kind of work for my body because it's, it's it's what I'm used to, and my body gonna respond to certain things. Because they gonna be like, oh damn, I remember how to do that. So. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, the videos in, in general just inspiring me to want to, you know, kind of get back on it. So I appreciated that, man, um, a lot because it was consistent. You was always on there and still you would still see yourself out and enjoying yourself, but you still come back to that to that flow because you used to be sweating bullets. I used to be like, damn, this Batman is really getting it in, Joe, like for yeah. real. Yeah. So so yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, talking about consistency, you know, um, you know, people um have you know have consistently said a lot of things on social media in reference to you know being a black man in america and this new you know incident i want to call it you know with george floyd and this minnesota police officer has been all the talk you know the last you know what nine ten days and and so you know as a black man um i want you to kind of tell me um without going too far back how I mean, one, how did that make you feel when you heard about it and what triggered in your mind? Because I know for me, you know, I'm going to let you speak first, but I know for me, it triggered some stuff in my mind mentally. You know, I'm in a good place. 
I'm I'm being positive. I feel like I'm trying to impact others, and that's kind of my mo for right now. But literally in that moment, watching that video, it was a lot that triggered inside of me. So I want I want you to kind of you know take us back to, you know, the moment when you saw the video, and as a black man, you know, what what did you think about it? This this couldn't have happened, and then you're almost amazed that it was captured on video. The first thought that came to my mind is, I hate to say it, but thank God that somebody videoed this. Yeah. I mean, imagine how many yeah. of us have had knees in our back. Yeah, you know, been thrown to the ground, yeah. slammed by the jump outs. Yeah, you know, things of that nature. They, they man, listen, back in the in the in the in the, in the early nineties, late eighties, oh, they was they was vicious. Hey. As, as my, that's what DC folk was saying. Hey, hey, two, hey, Tuesdays and Thursdays was they days, man. What? And they played no game. Come on, unmarked. So I guess my thing was, it, 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 I, I've been hearing the term that a lot of people have been saying, and uh, it hit me. It hit me because it made sense. Mm. It's not that police brutality is being ramped up. Mm. No, no, police brutality is being televised. It's being videoed. Mm. That's the only difference because it's always been there. Mm. Mm. So to see this man... You just... You, then, hey, you just said it last, man. Yes, sir. Because that's how it hit me. It hit me to the point like, wow, this could have took place and we've not seen it. Mm -hmm. And this man could have died because like I said, I'm from Baltimore with the whole Freddie Gray situation. Right. You know... It, they swept that down under the rug. Right. So it went from seeing this to knowing he died, to seeing how he died, to seeing how people were begging this cop to to be a blessing to this man. Like you're you're your task, we pay you to protect and serve. Right. And here you are just taking a lake out of another man. Right. And then people standing by saying, bro, he can't breathe. Oh, so let him up. And then you hear him say, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You know? Right. He said, I can't breathe. And then he also asked them, man, can you just stand me up? Right. Hey. Can you just stand me up? You got me in handcuffs. Can you just stand me up? And they and right. they, they didn't even do that. Got you. So to go back to what you were saying, what went through my head was I was, I was, I was almost numb because I don't know if you ever had a feeling where you were in disbelief, but you also understood what was taking place. Mm. If, if the best way I could sum that up, because I know it's, I know it happens more times than, than, than none, mm -hmm. you know, but I've never seen it televised. And then I guess I felt, I felt almost like I, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. I was very pathetic. The guy lost his life, but I was, also, I felt some kind of way because I knew that America would get to see it firsthand. Mm. When I talk to people about my disdain for police officers growing up, they look at me like I'm crazy, you know. And if you're like me, you you if you're like me, you didn't find a good officer. I know I didn't an officer that I was cool with until one of my friends that I knew became an officer. Facts, facts. That's the only way I knew that, okay, an officer can be cool because 
that's my man right who's now an officer right. i knew him before he was off and, and 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 his number is in my phone so i'm good his number's in my phone exactly right we grew up together you know right. what i mean oh i knew him but we, we put the college together right so now i see this man as, as an officer and i realize okay there could be other good officers out there so now it gives me a sense of hope but my personal experience Calling you a boy, like I'm a grown man. I, I pulled up in my neighborhood one day. Never pulled me over. There was light, but he 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 wanted to be a blessing to me. You know what I mean? He he wanted to be a blessing, but at the same time, I don't think he really did. And when he found out where I lived, which is the neighborhood right here, his whole tone changed. Called me a boy and everything, right? Mm. And and I guess that hurt me because. That was the first time when I realized, like, yo, I'm gonna be respectful to this guy, and he has to be respectful to me. Mm, has to be. He has to be because mm. I'm, I'm only showing him love. Mm. Shut up, boy. Shut up, boy. I looked around like, who the fuck? What? <laughs> right, like, who the fuck you talking to, Slim? Bro, I'm right here, yo. And on our license, our license say the development building with our address. He's seen I was right there. His whole tone changed. So that let me know, like, bro, listen, you, you may have made it and you may have done some things with your life, man, but you ain't going to never be beyond this. Mm. You ain't going to never be beyond these cops doing and saying what they want because you at their mercy, bro. So right. basically, to see that man at their mercy and to see nobody, like, my thing is this, what would have had God forbid, but it's the only way that saved his life. What would happen if somebody come out the crowd and just bum rush that joker so he has to get off his chest. They right. killed him. Right. You you just saved George. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's tough. That that's the the stuff that got me, kid. It's just the money more than quarterback and how could this have been prevented? You know, judging by the video and then like I said, seeing George Pryor, I, I really feel like there was nothing he could have done to save his life, yo. And and that in that situation, no, nothing. But but beg like he was doing. He was begging. He was pleading. He was pleading. Yeah, he he was pleading. I mean, he was. He laid there. Maybe if I laid here, he'd let me up. Nope. Nope. Right. It it it. So 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 for me, man. You know, um, you know, somebody. You know, I'm fortunate now because people tend to send me stuff that I might not see off the break. Like I I I end up seeing it in one in one way, shape, or form. But people end up sending it to my inbox. So um, I had just had finished trying to process a video that I saw. Um, somebody sent me a video of a black man, two white cops. I, I hate saying that all the time, but that's what it was. Right. And the, the black man had a, a, a harness on and his, and his mm -hmm. child was in the harness. And wow. in the video, you can hear the people saying, leave that man alone, got his child, leave that man alone, he got his child. Um... They all, all three of them had words. And at some point in the video, you can see the police officer taking him down to the ground. With the baby? And the baby was still in his chest. And when the baby, oh. hey, real, when the baby started to cry, something inside of me, I had to stand up and go outside. Wow. Like, lit I literally had to stand up, push pause, and walk out. When I, I mean, to see what was going on, because I've been in those situations when, I'm dealing with police officers like that. And they right. want to take you down to the ground and be physical with you, right? And I know how that feels. Right. But right. for 
for that to happen and the baby being involved with with nothing to do with it, just being a life, and to hear that baby crying in that moment, I, I was like, Joe, this, I mean, it's so many thoughts that ran through my mind, right? And so I'm trying to process, I'm trying to process that, and then we got this George Floyd situation. So can you imagine, you know, I I had just recently last month talked about mental health and, and talked about how, how important it is. And, you know, it's not just about being May, you know, as a month, you know, as we do Black History Month, because I right. think Black History Month needs to be 365 days of the year because we Absolutely. do we doing remarkable things in our respective communities. Right. So yes, yeah. mental health, you know, as you just alluded to, you know, growing up where you grew up, you grew up in Baltimore. You know, I grew up in D.C., south southeast side of D.C. And so there's traumatic events in both neighborhoods all the time. Right. So there is some PTSD there. There is some anxiety there. There's all types of mental illness in that arena, you know, in terms of being, you know, born and raised in certain areas, depending on where, what state you live. You know, and, I, and now being older, I don't look at other hoods, so to speak, any differently as I would when I was growing up because... Now that I'm a little older, I recognize that it's, you know, shit that I grew up and shit that I dealt with is somebody else dealing with the same shit, maybe worse. So I got to be able to respect that man because he might have, he, 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 as I'm talking, he know what I'm talking about. So, I, you know, we end up being cool. And I think that, you know, as black men overall, I think that's how all of us got cool. I mean, when we got to Dale State, I'm not, you know, at exactly 125% sure how we met, but I, I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, recall that it just is school. Um, you know, we all kind of from the same, you know, uh, background, background. You know what right. I mean? Right. And we kind of just, oh, what's up, cuz? Oh, what's up with you? Oh, where you from? And it's just, and, and it's just an automatic flow. It ain't like a, you know what I'm saying? You just meet and right. it's like, hey, hey, so yeah, we could be right here in front of uh, Jenkins. You want to go hit the Jenkins? Yeah, come on. And, and then it's exactly. just, and then it just, ha and then it's just a switch, and it just turns on every day. And then like now, every day I see you. Oh, what's up, Slim? What's going? Hey. And then now, it's 25, you know, years later. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And so, you know, for me, when I see this man, and I see him, you know, pleading to these people, man, and you know, to to be able to view it, like you said, be, to be able to view it, it's like, man, what what are we left to do? Like we've, you know, I, you know, it was a question, and I'll and I'll ask this question to you. It was a question that was posed on another form, and I took it because I felt like I want to hear from my brothers to see what they got to say. So I'm gonna ask you a question. You know, is there is there a such thing as peaceful protesting? Is there the the now in 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 theory or in practice? Both, because I want to get because I because I, I want to get your mindset because because yeah. because me for me it's like I I get I get where it came from, and I have a and I have an ideology if that's the right term, I have an ideology of what it does because we got a track record from the fifties sixties and on back Martin Luther King. Alabama bus, you know, uh, boycott, mm -hmm. all that, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, we have we have a, a concrete theory of what it's supposed to do. But but my question, hold on, but my question is, the reason why I asked, because I feel like if you do peacefully protest and you're being peaceful, once that peace is broken, then what? Right. Right? So right. I'm, I'm going to let you and go. that's what I'm saying. I, I, I believe, that's why I said theory and practice. 
Right. In theory, I can set up a whole format, uh, a systematic approach to how I would like to protest. Right, right. And in theory, it's all peaceful. Hey, we're going to go here. We're going to march here. From here, we're going to march here. And then from here, we're going to march here. And then from there, we're going to decimate. Right. So in theory, that is a peaceful, peaceful protest. But there's so many components to a protest that that's out of your control, exactly. even if you're the main one right. setting up or orchestrating the protest. Right, that's fact. So when you when you do the protest, you're going to have people who maybe don't share the same thoughts as you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. They may be there just because they want to do something, but they don't know what to do. Right. Okay. Now, I believe that a lot of times, even with that sense and having people join you, you still can kind of, in theory and in practice, still have a peaceful protest. Mm. Okay? I believe it goes south when the protest is met with opposition. Okay. And, and, and specifically, we talking about the police. The police. So okay. now I'm going from this this establishment to this establishment, but they're going to deter me from doing what I like to do as a protest. They're saying, hey, you can only go here. Right. So now when we meet with these individuals, everybody may not have the same temperament that I have. You oh, know what I'm saying? Oh, they not. They may not have the same experiences I have. They may not have the same background, education, things of that nature. And then emotionally, we don't know where these people are. Right. So when people raw emotions meet with that thing we talked about before this, our history of interacting with the police, that's tough. Right, right, right. And, and, and I believe that's how it goes from a protest to something a little different. And that's how you kind of get your riot situation because... You got people that's ready to pop off. You got people that's have been done dirty for a long time. And then I think it was the perfect storm with this with this situation recently because with COVID nineteen and people being trapped in their homes, people uh, not making an income, it was just the perfect storm for people to kind of do what they felt in their hearts that they wanted to do, whether that be positive or negative. So the people that wanted to be positive. They came out more positive. Okay? The people that want to protest, and, and, and they protested. The ones that wanted to loot, they looted. The ones that wanted to riot, that's what they did. And I'm not saying any of them are right, but I, I, I watched this podcast of a young lady, and it basically talked about how for 400 years, they've been moving the starting line from us. <laughs> Forget the finish line, bro. You feel me? Forget the finish line. They're moving the starting line. Because mm-hmm. we could be in the race and running. We in it. We've been in it. We've been in it. They'll move the starting line. Man, we've been in it. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is, when it comes to economics and, and us as a people achieving economics, when, like I said, they brought us here for two things. Cotton, Textile. Right. North textile, South Pick Cotton. Right. So they were getting that free labor. Right. And establishing wealth 
at a, at, at, at a very young age, a right. long time ago. Like I said, almost 400 years ago. Right. And then from there, they started allowing the, that's how you got the middle class. They started allowing them to get loans, buy properties. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't own anything, bro. Yeah. So when we go to protest, and I'm going to tie this all in, when we go to protest and we go to these places and, and we're, we're, we're meaning well, you have people that say, people like, how can they burn down their own, own establishments? How can they tear down their own buildings? Bro, a lot of us don't own nothing, so. Right. We had the beauty and the ability to go to college and do something with ourselves, man. Yeah. Everybody ain't had that luxury. Well, exactly. Exactly. Now, we also know that we either got bought or, or, or let's say one of them dirty cops decided that, hey, we got some dope on us today. Right. Our lives are forever hindered. Right. Forever hindered. That starting line, gone. Right. So we don't get a chance to go to college, do the right thing, make something of our lives. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> It's tough, man, because like I said, I think it can be peaceful, but a lot of times you have people come out there and they're dealing with raw emotions, man. Mm. And and that's on both parts. Cause cause don't get it twisted. These officers is, is watching TV too. Oh yeah. Dealing with some ignorant folk on the day. And oh, I'm yeah. not gonna be ignorant to that. I'm not going to fail to, to mention that. But the difference is, and this is what I tell anybody in a Hollywood heartbeat, you are being paid mm-hmm. to do a job. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. It's a big KK difference. In my neighborhood, running around with a seventh grade education, you see what I'm saying? He good with his hands and he good with a weapon. Right. That's all he good with. Right. I can't I can't hold him to the same standard as I hold a trained officer. Right. Right. But do you also know that it take more hours and more schooling to do hair than it does to become an officer. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I did not know that. So you got these jokers doing a job, meeting with people, and 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 supposedly having to do the right thing. And I believe a lot of them are just ill qualified, man. At the end of the day, a lot of them are just ill qualified. So when you got those two people meeting and they mixing, then that protest can go either way. So I hope I answered the question. I want to tie that all in. But there were so many components of it that I wanted to point out. And there's so many more, but those are the ones I wanted to stand out to, to show folk that, yeah, it can be peaceful in theory, but a lot of times in practice it can go left because there's so many moving components. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, you know, it, I feel like, is you 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 express it and you you answer it you know how you feel you know what I mean like based on you know everything you see everything that's out there your your past experiences I mean everything is kind of balanced out so I mean I think that the point was taken very well you know because right. you know training is very important but again like you said with Lord Tay Tay who's equipped with his hands and a weapon you know that. I was Tay Tay in my neighborhood. Right. You know what I'm saying? That was mm-hmm. me. You know what I'm saying? If you, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I could fight, but it wasn't like, you know, I had to fight all the time because I ain't get into 
a lot of shit. But if you, you know, fuck with a friend or a family member, then we got action. But if we, if, exactly. if you want to take it to another level, then yeah, we definitely can do that too. I've been itching to do that all day anyway. And so that, right. anyway. that, that was me. So I think with, with my perspective in terms of seeing that, I mean, it took me back to a time that I can't discuss certain things on here, but it took me back to a time where I was fed up with the police at one point in my life. And I and I kind of took matters into my own hands. You know what I'm saying? And I think in this case with this man, it, it, it just made me feel like, like, like they want us to be peaceful. They want us to be forgiving. I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with forgiving you, but I don't forget shit. You know, I think that's, I think with me, you know, even personally, I think that's part of my problem because I do not forget anything. Like I saw, I mean, just real quick, I saw a guy about a month and a half ago and he was with a group of individuals who jumped me one time mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen him in like 30 years. So can you imagine when I saw him, what my first initial thought was? My, I mean, and, and I'm not even gonna act like I'm not even gonna act like you know it was it was what I wanted to do. But when I first saw his face, my mm-hmm. first thought was like, "Man, I should go fuck this nigga up." Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. At, but as I begin to think how long ago that was, how uh, how old we were, you uh, know what I'm doing now. Uh, I got two kids. What's the point of me doing that? So, exactly. so I think a lot of it is mindset because I, I told somebody that I was happy that my daughter was with me when the when the when the when the protests with an S initially started you know coming out because I had her in here in the house. Right. But if she wouldn't have been here, that's the part that I was scared of. But I can't really right. think about it because I was not able to go out there to be out there, and it was for a reason. Yeah, exactly. But but as exactly. I thought about it from a mental standpoint, if I would have been out there, pfft, man, right. if I would have been out there, I, you know, because because, you know, you, you can be upset. But at this point, when I hear people say we upset, I'm like, oh, OK, they must not be fed up because I'm not upset. Right. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm past upset. Like, right. yeah, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm upset. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, and, and it's like, it's hard because I got to bottle it in. I got to be a professional. So when I go to work and I see white people, I still got to say good morning or thank you. Or, you know, if they say good morning to me, I say good morning. Or if they say thank you, I say you welcome. You know, I still got to kind of balance this thing out. But it's like, you know, you get some of those white people that you deal with on a day in and day out basis. And you know, you feel it that they, that they fucked up and, and you still got to be cordial. And it's just, and it's just like, and it's just like, you know, what is, what is, what has been cordial done for us thus far? Right. So, so in my mind, I'm just thinking of something totally different than everybody, than, than something different than everybody's talking about. But I know that it's not going to end up being something where it's going to help us in the long run. Right. So I'd rather not even, yeah, I'd rather not even go that route. I'd rather not even go that route. But. I but I did um but I did add some audio and I and I'm and I'm almost certain that it's the same audio that you just spoke of about the young lady. Um yeah. you know, that was kind of talking yeah. about, you know, you know, the nuances and towards the end, you know, you get you felt her. She was pissed. She was like you, Yo, she, she was like, you know, you you she was like, We had a contract and you motherfuckers broke it. I was like, mm-hmm. God 
Damn. And so I think that, I think, you know, along with our conversation and a little bit of what she talking about, I think it'll help, you know, give a person who might not have an opinion at all to, to, to allow them to help, you know, help them form an opinion. I mean, male or female, I mean, it's cool that we boys and we men and we can talk, you know, but I don't want to ever, you know, um, make women think that they can't get a mindset from the conversation as well. Cause it's always an open conversation. I'm an open door opportunist. I want to talk to adults, kids, older people. I mean, I think the reason why I'm kind of, you know, in the mindset that I'm in now is because of my past history, you know, being locked up, being in the street, you know, having a praying mother, having a praying grandmother, having a father who was, you know, you know, he, 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 he helped me see what a man was, even though I didn't understand all of the responsibility that came with being a man, especially right. when it comes to being a father. Because when it when when it comes to being a father, it comes it's a whole different ball game. Because when I saw that when I when I saw and heard that little baby crying, real, of course I thought of my daughters and my nieces and my nephews. But I'm just thinking, like, where is the humanity in in right. in, 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 in it all? Like if like 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 when like when we play football. And we got a nickel something, and we bleed. We bleed the same color, me and you. If right. if we had opponents on the other side of the field, and they were white, and we hit them, and they had a a, a scratch or or something, what what color would they bleed? Right. As, you, you feel me? So I'm like I'm I'm just I'm just totally lost with the disconnect of the humility. And I understand that a lot of people are saying that it's stemming from how they've been raised and. You know, racism is not something that just happens. It's something that's taught. I get that. But I'm like, at some point, man, when a baby, an infant, not a toddler, an infant, y'all tackling this man on the ground with an infant on his chest. That's crazy. I'm like, what? And so how how would that not infuriate me as a man, knowing that I got kids to make me feel a certain type of way? And so, right. you know, when we go out here and drive and we get pulled over, it's like we gotta roll the dice. Is this is this my is this my seven or eleven or is this my, is my little Joe? Like, I mean, my oh my god, sad but true. You bro. know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I I wanted to you know catch you and just you know try to you know get you know pick your brain a little bit because I know you're an educator. I know you've been around the kids for so many you know years, and I know right. you know even. In um um you know I want to say uh chill times you know at Dale State at the house I remember being at the crib and we watched watch this I'm about to fuck your head up we watched um what was that movie with uh Lawrence Fishburne and the white boy um uh, Matrix we was in your house watching the Matrix yeah. oh my god that movie was yeah. Man, we yeah. we we leveled up and watched the Matrix, right. and, that, and that shit was like, oh boy, yeah. Can't, can't. The, the, the blessing is, man. I I was so fortunate, man. Like like for me, like I said, I, I wasn't I wasn't I was a tough kid growing up. You know what I mean? I was, I I got into a lot of trouble. You know what I mean? Not more so much criminal wise, but more so much just just a butthead, man. I, I get it. I've been there, the done that. Man, yeah. Trouble. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My fuckers and, knew you. Um, my fuckers knew you by your first name. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What? Oh him? Oh, I know his name. That's Kevin. Yeah, yeah. he did yeah. it. Yeah. What? Yeah, he did. Shut the fuck up, man! What you talking about? Be the fuck quiet. Yeah. So for me, man, I was just 
for me to get that opportunity, and I tell people all the time, for me to get that opportunity to go to college, mm-hmm. like I said, I, 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 went to, I went to college on default, my guy. Yeah, I remember the story you told me. Yeah, so for that to happen and, and to be where I am now, it kind of causes me to be like, you know what? I think this could be taken from me at any time. Mm-hmm. Even though I put the work in, I've been putting work in mm-hmm. for almost 27 years. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it could be snatched from me tomorrow. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's not a feeling mm. that a white individual would feel. No. You see what I'm saying? No. They don't feel that. No. At this point, it's a sense of entitlement. Right. You know? So for, for them to have a sense of entitlement, it's kind of tough. Watch I, this. I could never have that. Watch this. Watch this. So I'm about to fuck you up real quick. I'm glad you said that. So let me ask you this. So do you think it's an issue? And, and I'm just asking for you know personal opinion. Do you think it's mm-hmm. an issue that white people are out there saying Black Lives Matter? Nah, I don't think it's an issue. I think it's a blessing, bro. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? I think it's a blessing. Because because some people some people see otherwise, but which is okay, right? Now, I understand that, but 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 like I said once again, I have the ability to. My thing is this: as freshmen coming in, you know what I'm saying? As freshmen coming in, initially, you're not supposed to fuck with me, bro. Right. I'm from Baltimore. Right. You ain't cool to fuck with me. Right. Nigga, we beef. We beef in jail. Yes. We beef in job corps. Yep. And we beef in college. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Y- y'all 45 minutes away, bro. And and it, it was instilled in me not to fuck with y'all. Man. That's, that's. It was instilled woo. in me, bro. I mean, it was instilled. Don't fuck with me. Right what do you mean? I had an opportunity to go to college to be enlightened. Mm-hmm. And actually meet some of y'all jokers. And y'all, yo, listen, I fuck with y'all more than you know what I mean. Like you see, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, you know I mean, because yeah. at the end of the day, I was able to see that these niggas is real. Yeah. My man Calvin took me to Connors. I stayed in Connors for a weekend. <laughs> hey, y'all, that, that's right up the street from where I grew up. Bro, I realized y'all do the same shit we do. Yeah. Only a couple slight differences. Right. Y'all niggas sell drugs, y'all niggas shoot dice, and y'all niggas get blowed all day. All same day. thing we do. Yep. The only difference between DC niggas and Baltimore niggas is they slang. Mm-hmm. Big difference. They dress. Mm-hmm. Big difference. You ready for this? You ready for this? We go to the club looking for some pussy. Hey man, listen. Listen, I mean, again, again, we gotta grow up. Again, it take all of us different times to grow up. Cause I know I got to a point where I was like, Slim, I don't wanna do that shit no more, dog. I want I want slide and, and get one, man. I ain't trying to be, you know what I'm saying? But I, I think but even on the go-go scene, I think that um, just like when people talk about environment and how things kind of mesh together. I mean, if you got a situation, you know, with a dude and you ain't seen him in like a month, but y'all still got y'all situation and you happen to be at the go-go, I mean, it's going down. It's, it's, it's no way around it. Like you're going to see him. He's going to see you. 
And it's going to be like, oh, what's up, Slim? What's up? And it ain't a whole bunch of talking. It ain't a whole bunch of... The what's up is the intro. Nigga, fuck you trying to do? Nigga, let's... And, it, and after that, it's on. You know what I'm saying? So, right. I mean, I do remember those... I, <laughs> I do remember those times, but I do think that you have a point, you know, with the differences. Because I remember one time I got locked up um, and I had to... Uh, um, they... they they took me to, uh, I think it was called Castle Grayskull at the time, the, the big okay. the, the big penitentiary. For some reason, they from the police station, they took me there. And then from there, they took me to a joint called Hickey School. Hickey, yeah, Charles Hickey. Man, listen, Charles man, they yeah. took me to a joint called Hickey. I get in there. They tell me I got to put these sweatpants on, these, you know, this, and all this bullshit. And so I'm in this room waiting to, I guess, go get a room, you know, a cell or whatever. And... It's four dudes in the joint. I remember it being two white boys, and one of the white boys was big as shit. But I ain't, you know, I ain't, I ain't no bitch, but I ain't say nothing. I was just in there quiet. So I remember oh. one of the dudes heard me on the phone before I came in the room, and he was like, I think he from D.C., yo. And that's what he said. I think he from D.C., yo. I was like, oh, man. So I know these niggas about to come over and ask me where I'm from and shit. So as certain as I thought, one of the niggas was like, hey, what's up, Slim? What's going on with you? I was like, oh, ain't shit. You know, I'm good. Woo-woo. Nigga jumped up. He said, that nigga from D.C. I said, I mean, what's the problem? Because I'm not ignorant, but I'm trying to act like I'm ignorant to the fact, right? So I'm like, what's the problem? The niggas didn't give me no time to act like I was ignorant because we got smack at it off the break. And I I had to protect myself. Even though I think it was like three or four of them, I still, you know what I'm saying? What what can I do? I'm I'm in a room with four other motherfuckers that don't fuck with me. What am I supposed to do? So I, so I try to so I try to initiate that type of mindset with everything else that I might have done in my lifetime, not to justify real, you know, some of the shit that I've done, but to give people an idea of what I've been through, and and why I'm probably as aggressive or why I'm probably as up in your face or as blunt. I mean, it's reasons behind why I am. I'm not just some joker or a clown that's loud and in your face just for no reason. Right. I've been through a lot of shit, you know what I'm saying? And I think as black men overall, us as black men, men in general, like man, we we I mean, we've been through a lot of shit, man. And to keep seeing yeah. and to keep seeing this shit happening, man, it's you know, like I was telling my man today that I, I had almost forgot to renew my um my my, my CCL license in, in Utah. Mm-hmm. And so I just renewed it today. And it, you know, it, it just it just made me remind. I just reminded myself that I'm not the Kevin of old. I'm I'm literally preparing myself and doing things now that I would have never thought about doing when I was at Dale State, or I would have never no thought problem. about doing when I was in Blue High School. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing shit that I never thought I would be doing, and I'm not fully where I, in my mind, think I would like to be. But I'm 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 ble- like you said, I'm blessed, man. Spending the day spending the day with y'all on the boat. That was that was like okay. I need to get me a motherfucking boat. You know what I'm saying? That's that was a man. What? And so I think it's so many layers to what we you know what what the conversation is that there's no one conversation. Like it kind of bounces from you know uh, neighborhood background, uh, how you grew up, what you've been through, on up to now. You know because it's just it's just so much that we've been through and it's hard in my mind to literally sit here and be like, okay, we're going to have a peaceful protest. It ain't no way. There's no way we're going to have a peaceful protest because like you just said, it's three, it's three different groups 
the main group out of the group who organized and really care about, you know, what's going on and right. they want to seek justice. It's the other group that's just mad and just want to fuck up shit. And it's the last group uh -huh. that just want to steal shit because they can't afford to get, to get it. So it's not like, you know, they doing it, you know, just to do it. They doing it because they really fucked up out here. Right. And they feel like them right. taking it this way is a middle finger to you. Right. So it's a lot of people who talk about you know, what all of that means to them. And I'm like, I, I let everybody speak what they speak because everybody has an opinion. But that's kind of how I look at it. And like you said, you know, you're not saying whether one is right and one is wrong. You're just saying that it just is what it is. It is what it is. It just, it, right. yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean. Yeah, which ties back to the initial question you asked. When it comes to white people out there protesting, mm -hmm. It's almost like that situation, because you, you summed it up. You know, we're, we're at a point now where we had an aha moment. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, how do we get that aha moment and stay where we are? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of white people get that aha moment, and then they come and do what they do to come to help us out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm not, I can't knock them for that. Just like I can't no. knock my man. Because he got his life together before I did. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or vice versa. He can't knock me because I got my life together before he did. The key is when I have that aha moment, I have to do something. Right. And I think a lot of the white people, when they have that aha moment, they act on it. Yeah, they act on it. They, I, I, I would say that. They, and, and I mean, I think a lot of us act on it, but again, it's, it's how how we act on it based off all of the verbals we just we just laid. You know what I'm saying? Cause I mean, cause I, I, I like I say, bro. If I, if I wouldn't have had my daughter, man, you know, um, <laughs> no I mean, you know, I, I came home, you know, um, I, I, I was, I was up one night, I couldn't sleep, and I was just up, and so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and just pull the cleaning kit out, and just make sure everything worked. You know what I'm saying? So I went through everything, make sure everything worked. Right. You know, sprayed everything out, make sure everything was oiled up, and by the time I, you know literally try to get my thought together of seeing this video it, I, i'm just like joe what the fuck yeah. man like what like you know you know because i mean when i get pulled over is this it right, is, yeah. is, is this my night like 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 i'm yeah. not i'm not i'm not i'm not saying white people don't have the right but i just feel like some white people who are so ignorant to the fact that this shit is happening to us every day you know gets me and i know they don't give a fuck i get that part but i'm just saying how can you be oblivious to me about to whoop your ass because you talking that bullshit? Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's that's kind of where I am. And I know my man, a couple weeks ago, he was asking me, he was like, man, you got to start telling people what you really feel. I hear you, but you ain't really giving them you. And I'm like, I think I am, but I'm telling it in a way where I don't have to be as, you know, vulgar. But I know I'm passionate about what I say. So sometimes the vulgarness comes. I remember an older lady inboxed me um on the website and she was like i'm listening from south carolina she said i love everything that you're talking about she said but the one thing i would value if you would take correct corrective criticism the right way she said i would right. i would i would want you to not curse as much as you do right. she said because right. sometimes you lose your listeners and she said i want your yeah. message to go across races she said That's if you true. can she was saying if you can stick with what you feel and, and, and just speak on that and not necessarily get as vulgar, I think you'll have a bigger 
platform. I was like, wow. I, I, I didn't even know this lady. And I think from that day, I've, I've, I've literally tried to make sure I kind of, you know, watch what I say and kind of think about what I say before I said it. I was on a, um, on a panel the other night and it was three pastors and a, you know, couple other people. I was like, I know I got to be on my A game now because I'm, I'm, I got the passes. But I think sometimes depending on who I'm talking to, it's all about the comfortable, the comfortability level of the conversation. And I'm comfortable with you. So I'm comfortable saying exactly what I just said, because I feel like, you know, if I go outside today or tomorrow and, you know, something happens and a white person say, oh, you fucking nigga. I got a split second to kind of think about what I'm going to do. Yes, sir. Like, I don't have, like, five or ten minutes. I got a split second because, in my mind, I need this person to know who I am right now. Right now. Either right. either right. I'm going to be the person that's going to walk away and, and just take and turn over cheek, or I'm going to be the person that's about to catch a charge. Right. And, 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 right. and, and what I want people to understand and remember is, even though I'm, you know, kind of changed and... I don't want to say change. Even though I've matured, matured, you know what I'm saying? Even though I mature, I'm still the same dude that you knew 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago. No don't get the game fucked up. I still will punch you in your face and beat the shit out your ass. No but that's yeah, not, but that, that you know what I'm saying? But that's not the mindset that I'm in now. So I'm trying to, you know, challenge myself every day. And that's why I say, you know, my slogan for the, for the platform is be better than you were yesterday because we right. we have an opportunity and an obligation at this point and i and i use the word obligation because we got people under us that's watching us to see how we gonna carry it right and and right. and right. not right. right and not and not only watch how we gonna carry it can we mentor them can we educate them when they ask us questions right. can we mold them the right way hey listen go look for this google this look at this Look at both sides, though. Don't look at just this side. Look at both sides so you can form an... I, I, that's how I talk to the youngest now. I'm like, I'm not saying all white people fucked up, dog. Right, no question. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I got to... My uncle, my uncle was white, right? Mm-hmm. And when I got molested in their house and told my uncle what happened in the basement, when he turned the light on, they was in the bed asleep. Him and my aunt was in the bed asleep, dog. When I was telling him what was going on, I'm, I'm assuming he was listening to me in the dark. But by the time he turned the light on... His whole face was red. Right. And the tip of his ears was red, real. Right. I, I had never no seen way. I had never seen my uncle that upset. And when I say my uncle was pissed off, and, and, and mind you, it, just so I can keep it in context, my, my uncle is a Jehovah Witness. Wow. He was pissed that I got wow. my nephew in a basement with somebody that I trust or supposedly trust, and he did this to my nephew. Oh fuck no. Right. He yeah, was pissed. Cool. And so he he as the man of the house, he did what he needed to do to, you know, take care of me, call my mother, call the police, everything was handled. But that's why I tell people, you know, I got you you'd be surprised what I've been through. I even I, I even shared a story um on, on Facebook the other day that I even had a white babysitter when I was younger. Her name was Pat Strickland. Her husband name was George, and her son name was Brad. Wow. And they loved me like they family, dog. They love me like that. My mother could go to work and take me over patting them house and wouldn't have to worry about shit. When when I was outside and it was time to come in the house, Pat would come on the porch. Kevin, come on, it's time to come in. A white lady. That's love. So so that's why I say my perspective is I ain't gonna say is 
off than others, but it's a little off just based on my specific past. Right. And that's why I feel like, yes, all white people aren't fucked up, but don't come to me with the bullshit because you're going to get right. the bullshit right back times 10. Times 10, you should. Times 10. So, man, yeah, I you know, I just wanted to rap to you, you know, um, chop it up with you. Um, I want to get a final thought though, and the reason why I'm gonna ask this because I'm a I'm a I'm a lead your final thought into this audio of this young lady that we that we kind of both touched on, and so okay. what would be going forward? And I'm not saying be specific, right? But going forward, you know, how should you know black black people, you know, overall, but black men, how should we carry it from here on out? It's going to be tough, man, but it's necessary. And uh, it, it's going to take, when you when you hear that young lady talk, okay, it's going, it's going to throw you. Because you're going to see her and you're going to assume. And then you're going to hear her and then you're going to be like, wow. Yeah, I, I, she floored me. She put she, me on the floor. She killed it yeah. because she, she made a statement about a program that she was a part of. Yes. So even though she was in a certain environment, she had access to information. And 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 the program was called Push, by the way. Yes, sir. Yes, right, sir. Right. The, 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 it, for, for, for us as a people to do better as a people, the youngins are going to have to have more access to us, bro. That, facts. I believe that. Me, me, me and Tony man had a conversation about this uh, a few years ago, no program. yeah, yeah. But we have to find a way to spend more time with them, yeah. So they're not just hanging with themselves, right? See that that young lady was able to hang with some other people, right? And get information and get insight, right? Whether so whether it was good or bad, day. whether it was right. good or bad. So, so she's the highway, right? She's the highway because she's in one environment. But she talks another language. She's an ambassador to to a whole other level of thinking. Right. Well, our kids are not experiencing that. Right. They're not getting that opportunity. So in order for us to do better, we have to include myself. We I have to make more opportunities to be accessible to my kids. Even though I'm an administrator, I need to spend time after hours as well. You see what I'm saying? Right. I need to I need to bring people like yourself, T Hood, uh, Tony Man, Cool Popper, yeah. to actually sit down with my, my my young Thundercats and be like, bro, you ain't telling them nothing. They've been there, done that, shorty. Let me let them share some of their story. Right. And and but you then let and me you... show you what they're doing right now. Right. Right. And the kids would be like, what? Right. Cause yeah. it's it, you cause you gotta show them. You gotta show I, them. And, and I hate to say that like you gotta prove yourself, but in, in a sense you do. You gotta prove yourself you to do. them. Yeah. You do. And, uh, listen, the days of giving respect, cause 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 you and I know Big Mama gone, bro. Yeah. Hey, Big Mama. Yeah. Big Mama forty seven right now in the club. <laughs> yeah, getting it in. Yep, you right. Remember back in the day, yeah. Big Mama, you can always go to Big Mama house. Yep. You can always try to get kids off at Big Mama house. Yep. Them days is over, bro. Yeah. And the fact that that's broke down, and it's a few other things that's broke down with the incarceration of black men. Right. It, 
it's going to take for, for surrogate fathers to step up mm. and stand in the gap. Wow. Okay. And if we don't do that as a people, then this is just going to be one vicious cycle, man. Yeah. Because they can come out today and say, we're going to give y'all reparations for all y'all been through. And there's, there's not many of us are going to be mentally savvy enough to capitalize on the opportunity that we've been blessed with. Mm. Because we don't have a tool. Mm. And nobody's taught us. Mm. You know, so that that's my little two cents. And like I said, I, I'd be the first one to tell you when I heard a talk, I, I, I couldn't turn away after the three-minute mark, bro. I was done. Yeah, I was. I was say about a minute and a half. I was like, "Wait, what?" Right, right. And by and by the time it got to the end, I was like, "Oh, oh, okay." Three minutes, bro. Yeah, it was almost fucking come to Jesus. Like, yeah, what? Yeah, what? What did you just say? Right, right. Man, listen, man. I'm um, I'm 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 happy. That I had an opportunity to get you on. I mean, like, 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 um, my man. I, I talk to Ra all the time. Um, from New York, from from New York. I talk to Ra all the time, and he reminded me that I had because cause when I talked to him, he be like, "Man, you out there doing your thing, woo do woo do woo." And I was like, "Man, yeah, I'm trying." He was like, "He was like, yeah, you got a hundred and seven episodes, dog. You not you not trying. You doing Slim? He, he said you." You got your platform. Just keep going. Stop minimizing yourself. I was like, no, I don't think I'm minimizing myself. I just feel like I just want to be humble because I don't want to feel like I like I made it. He said, no, nah, I feel you. He said, but you're not trying, Slim. You're doing. So I, I always appreciate the um, you know, the opportunity to either you know speak with um, you guys, you know, one on one on on Facebook, or you know, if we have the opportunity to see each other. And it's always love. Like I mean, I, I was I was a little yes. I was a little mad I missed the birthday party, but you know you know it's right. it it is what it is. But um, I'm I'm glad I caught you. Um, it yeah. was an honor to have you on the show, man. I'm pretty sure at some point you being an educator, I, I'll definitely need you again on a couple of these Zoom forms that I'm gonna probably set up um coming coming up in the future. But you know, just to let the cat out the bag a little bit, you know, what I'm saying myself. Um, hood and, and and another one of our boys, man. We're forming um a a nonprofit, and mm-hmm. the nonprofit will be called Type DMV uh, Teaching Youth Prosperity and Excellence. There you go. That's dope. Yeah. That's so anything I could do to help, man. That's help. that's why I'm mentioning it to you now. So once we get everything set up and you know kind of ready to start writing grants and doing all that good stuff, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I um I lock into you and see. You know, if there's anything we can help with at the school or if there's anything, you know, we can kind of come up and do, you know, as our own organization. Yes, sir. All Thank right. Thank you in advance, man, and vice versa, man. Love you, brother. Thank man, you appreciate it. Hey, man, tell appreciate man, it. man, be safe, man. Make sure you cover the wife and the kids, man. And until the next time, man, be easy. Yes, sir. All right. All right. I've been saying a lot of things, talking of the people making commentary, Interestingly enough, the ones I've noticed that have been making the commentary are wealthy black people making the commentary about we should not be um, rioting, we should not be looting, we should not be tearing up our own communities. And then there's been an argument of the other side of we should be hitting them in the pocket. We should be focusing on the blackout days where we don't spend money. Um, But, you know, I feel like we should do both. And I feel like I support both. And I'll tell you why I support both. I support both because there's, when you have a civil unrest like this, there are three types of people in the streets. There are the protesters, there are the rioters, 
and there are the looters. The protesters are there because they actually care about what is happening in the community. They want to raise their voices, and they are there strictly to protest. You have the rioters who are angry, who are anarchists, who really just want to fuck shit up, and that's what they're going to do regardless. And then you have the looters, and the looters almost exclusively are just there to do that, to loot. Now, people are like, well, what did you gain? Well, what did you get from looting? I think that as long as we're focusing on the what, we're not focusing on the why. And that's my issue with that. As long as we're focusing on what they're doing, we're not focusing on why they're doing. And some people are like, well, those aren't people who are legitimately angry about what's happening. Those are people who just want to get stuff. Okay, well then, let's go with that. Let's say that's what it is. Let's ask ourselves why in this country in 2020, the financial gap between poor blacks and the rest of the world is at such a distance that people feel like their only hope and only opportunity to get some of the things that we flaunt and flash in front of them all the time is to walk through a broken glass window and get it. That they are so hopeless that getting that necklace, getting that TV, getting that change, getting that bed, getting that phone, whatever it is that they're going to get is that in that moment when the riots happen and if they present an opportunity of looting that's their only opportunity to get it we need to be questioning that why why are people that poor why are people that broke why are people that that food insecure that clothing insecure that they feel like their only shot that they are shooting their shot by walking through a broken glass window to get what they need. And then people want to talk about, well, there's plenty of people who pull themselves up by their bootstraps and got it on their own. Why can't they do that? Let me explain to you something about economics in America. And I'm so glad that as a child, I got an opportunity to spend time at PUSH where they taught me this, is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Do you understand that? That's what we came to do. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Now, if I right now, if I right now decided that I wanted to play Monopoly with you and for 400 rounds of playing Monopoly, I didn't allow you to have any money. I didn't allow you to have anything on the board. I didn't allow for you to have anything. And then we played another 50 rounds of Monopoly and everything that you gained and you earned while you were playing that round of Monopoly was taken from you. That was Tulsa. That was Rosewood. There are pla- Those are places where we built black economic wealth, where we were self-sufficient, where we owned our stores, where we owned our property, and they burned them to the ground. So that's 450 years. So for 400 rounds of Monopoly, you don't get to play at all. Not only do you not get to play, you have to play on the behalf of the person that you're playing against. You have to play and make money and earn wealth for them, and then you have to turn it over to them. So then for 50 years, you finally get a little bit and you're allowed to play. And every time that they don't like the way that you're playing or that you're catching up or that you're doing something to be self-sufficient, they burn your game. They burn your cards. They burn your monopoly money. And then, finally, at the release and the onset of that, they allow you to play and they say, okay, now you catch up. Now, at this point, the only way you're going to catch up in the game is if the person shares the wealth, correct? But what if every time you share the wealth, then there's psychological warfare against you to say, oh, you're an equal opportunity higher. So if I played 400 rounds of Monopoly with you and I had to play and give you every dime that I made, and then for 50 years, every time that I played,
slave. I, and you didn't like what I did, you got to burn it like they did in Tulsa and like they did in Rosewood. How can you win? How can you win? You can't win. The game is fixed. So when they say, why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is, Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have. That if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the fuck do I give a shit about burning the fucking football hall of fame, about burning a fucking target? You broke the contract when you killed us in the streets and didn't give a fuck. You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own by our bootstraps in Tulsa and you dropped bombs on us. When we built it in Rosewood and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so fuck your target. Fuck your Hall of Fame. I'm concerned they could burn this bitch to the ground and it still wouldn't be enough and they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge welcome back to the show y'all welcome back man listen um i hope that that piece of audio that you just heard was something that um resonates at the end of that video that young lady um said a lot i mean she said a lot throughout the whole video but the young lady said a lot in comparison towards the end because you felt her passion you felt her pain you felt you felt kind of everything that she was feeling in the words and how she was using her words and the tone and everything that represented kind of what she wanted to say and so <clears throat> after that video i have now have another i want to say long time buddy um on the line um we recently uh talked because we were going to try to do a project but we never kind of did that but we always stayed you know in contact especially on facebook um she was just on live today and was you know kind of um she said that she couldn't rest and so i thought it was important to kind of talk to her today because <clears throat> it was like after i heard her say i was getting ready to go to sleep but i could not go to sleep. I had to get this off my chest. And I feel like a lot of times we don't get a lot of stuff off our chest. And that's kind of why we end up kind of in some of the predicaments that we're in. So I want to introduce Nicole. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Um, Nicole and I also went to Dale State together. This is another Dale State relationship. Um, I tell people all the time that I'm very, very grateful for being able to have the the, the blessing and opportunity to go to Dell State because I met some, I mean, when I say I met some cool people, man, some bomb-ass people, some funny, relatable, regular motherfucking people at Dell State, man, I swear, man, it was one of the, some of the best times of my life, so I, I'm just, I'm just grateful for that, for that haunted um, opportunity. So, Nicole, so, um, today on Facebook, you kind of, you know, were talking about a few things and and I, and I didn't have an opportunity to write down the ones that I wanted to write down but I remember a few things that you talked about 
And I remember one of the things that you spoke of was um, the impact. And, you know, you, you mentioned Mayor Bowser and what she did um, here in D.C. Um, and you talked about, you know, not necessarily agreeing with all her politics, so to speak. But, you know, you said this people will say that this ain't going to do nothing, but it is going to do something. I want you to kind of, you know, start there for me and then we'll kind of, you know, move on from there. Because I think that that, that message that you sent, it was kind of powerful because, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw somebody send it to my phone, I was like, what is that? They was like, oh, they doing that downtown right now near 16th Street. I was like, for real? They was like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And then I saw the street sign. I was like, wow, they putting up street signs now in black? I was like, oh, that's a smack in the face. At, at, at what you, hold on, what did you call them? The tangerine? The tangerine toddler. Oh, my God. I was like, Joe, that was so funny. I was like, oh, my God. And so I said that's a smack in the face to him directly. So you talked about that a little bit. I want you to kind of talk about the 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 important part of, you know, the 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 impact that that will have. You know, not not just for, you know, us here in D.C., but how that would, you know, impact, you know, y'all up in New York as well. Well, um, absolutely. Um, I am here in New York. I'm an educational um, leader here in New York. I oversee some schools here in the Bronx and Harlem. Um, and I do, you know, you and I have talked about some advocacy work with regard to prison reform, right. and school to prison pipeline right. and things like that. And so um, I have, my heart is in social justice. Um, but as a woman of color, I feel like every day uh, we're working really hard to get half as far. And so I see where Mayor Bowser, people feel like, oh, it's just putting words in the street. It's not really going to make a difference. How is this going to stop people from losing their lives? And to me, it may be a small thing, but really it was a big thing because it goes back to what Al Sharpton was saying yesterday in his eulogy for George um, Floyd is basically like getting your knee, getting their knees off our neck. Like, I'm sure that she feels at certain points that she's suffocating in her role. She's in between the feds and she's, you know, running D.C. The good old boys are still in control. Let's never, ever forget that. And so for a black woman that's in charge, that cannot be easy. I'm sure it wasn't easy for any of the black male predecessors that were mayors of D.C., but I'm sure it can especially not be easy for her in navigating Donald Trump. And I think that what she did, um, I feel like it's really important that we can't all eat an elephant in one bite. You can only take it bit by bit. That's mm. the only way you can do it. <clears throat> this work right. is so powerful and so impactful that we can't just throw a blanket over this and make it go away. Because if that was the case, they could have done that in 1968. Right. They could have done that with the Rodney King riots. They could have done that. But we have not learned how to... Um, get to a place in which we uh, see things through all the way to the end. Mm. And so in her little corner of the world, I think by her overnight, that was a boss move to overnight paint this in the street so big that you could see it uh, from an aerial perspective that you will be able to see this in the ground um, in Washington that is on his block. He can't ignore it. And I think it's really metaphorical. Like you can't ignore us. You put a fence up, but we're not going away. This problem is not going away. Um, 
And so she put the she put it in the street. She changed the name of the block. She sent him a letter saying we're not going to end these. Um, we're not going to submit anymore to these curfews because they've been peaceful. We haven't had any arrests. She went through all the checking of every single box that was available to her within her power to execute that. And then she did it in a very strategic way so that it's public. So that it, it, people's, it brought notice by people. Because then later, you know that Trump is very, very retaliatory. He loves retribution. He, he has to have the last word. You're not going to get over on him. And um, she did it in a public way so that as later, no, no one could do anything to her. And she can just point to that and say, well, you did this to me out of retaliation. You, you're messing with me because I did this. Like, as a woman of color, she whatever little bit of stance she could take, she took it. And I have to give her credit for that. You know, like, I, she's not somebody who's politics I've always agreed with. I right. lived in, I mean, while I'm in New York right now, I lived in Washington, D.C. for 20 years. I just moved to New York in the last seven years. And so I, I really feel like she did the most that she could possibly do within the powers that she had. So I give her props to that. And no, that's not going to stop people from dying. It's not going to change some things. But as a as a people, we have to learn to have some ideas and see them through to the end. Um, so have that follow through. So and, I give her props. And so for me, um, you know, she, I mean, I, I, I would definitely give her props. You know, I mean, I think when I, like I say, I think when I initially first saw it, I didn't kind of know what to think because I was still at work and I was, it was all over social media. But then when I got home and I kind of looked at it, I was like, damn, that's tough. Like she got the whole street lined up in paint, Black Lives Matter. I'm like, that's crazy. Like nobody's ever done that. And so the reason why I said at the beginning, you know, I didn't really know what to take of it was because Meryl Bowser has dropped the ball you know, so many times in, in the district, right? And so I was working with a family um, where their son got shot 15 times back in June of 2018. And the family didn't wasn't able to see the video footage for over a year. And I felt like in that moment, she dropped the ball there because this family had been just begging, just, just wanting to know, this mother just wanted, she was like, Kevin, I just want to know if he had a gun, I just want to see it. So I can have closure on what they did to my son. And like I say, it took them a long time to end up giving this family this footage. And we kind of connected. And I, I, I interviewed her and stuff. And just the other day, um, council member, um, I think it's Charles. Oh, what is his last name? I keep forgetting his last name. It's a council member from War 6. He actually just um, uh, wrote in that... Uh, if, if, if the police were involved in the shooting, that the families can um, automatically uh, ask for the, the video camera footage now. So it's been a fight for um, at least a year and some change. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that that happened. But, you know, me me being from D.C. and me, you know, kind of seeing Meryl Bowser, you know, it's always been this up and down love-hate relationship with her. Um, so, I, you know, like you said, it's big. That that it that is done in this way and right in front of him. Um, so I I wouldn't say that it's all bad, and you know it's gonna solve everything. But like you said, it's it's definitely an impact. It's definitely. An impact. But also remember this, Kevin. The thing about it is, is that everything that people do, this thing that she did, it may not necessarily be for all black people. It 
you remember, Black Lives Matter, even hers. And so she has been inconvenient. She has been um, made to look a little bit that's true. Um, less than less than capable to the situation. I agree. And I think that some of it is a very uh, selfish motive. It's like, Puh! all right, now I'm going to do something and mm. you about to see. Right. Because at the end of the day, Black Lives Matter, all Black Lives Matter, even hers. And they never, and you know what I mean when I say they. Yes. They never let us forget that we we don't matter. Right. They never let us forget. It doesn't matter who you are. You're the mayor. Okay, so what? Right. But you still are black and you are less. And so I think it also could have been a move um, for self-preservation for herself to say, okay, look at what I can do. Because sometimes, like we said, we're going to keep using that metaphor of having somebody's knee in your neck. When you have somebody's knee in your neck, that gets real uncomfortable. And you've got to make a move. Yeah. It's self-preservation. You've got to make a move. Yeah. And so for her, that was I think that was her move. That was her move. And I can't say it was a bad one. And, and, and her telling him, you know, writing him that letter and saying we're not going through with the curfew no more. You can have the National Guard back. We don't need them. We didn't have any any arrests. We good. I was like, damn, okay. She's like really, she's like really getting that slim today. <laughs> and she made sure that she checked all of her boxes right. so that she was appropriate and that nobody could come back and say, right. you didn't, you misstepped, right. Right? right? So that's what she did. And I feel like across the country, there there's some levels of, um, battling in terms of hierarchy in a lot of places like here in new york cuomo and the mayor of new york de blasio they battle back and forth consistently on tv and everything like well you told me to do this and and i well no you can't do that because i didn't tell you yet even though it's going to happen anyway you just don't get to say it because you're not in charge i'm in charge and that's a it's a battle you know of, what of control wow that's crazy. They really do They're that. Battling on television, like here in New York, the 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 mayor canceled school for the rest of the school year, and then the governor went on TV twenty minutes after him and said, "Well, I don't. That's his opinion. He can't do that. Only I could say that. And so it's oh not going to happen until I say that. Wow. Now we all knew school wasn't going to open back up, right. but it, he we waited a couple weeks because it turned into a pissing contest. And it's like whose whose word is the most golden? And the same thing I'm sure it is for her. And it's even harder because because she's a black woman right. that you got everybody trying to tell you what to do. And least of all the president who no one really respects. Um, but he doesn't respect black people at all. I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question and I want you to answer it the best way you can. You ready? Mm-hmm. Is there a such thing of a peaceful protest? Um, Okay, so there is a such thing as a peace, peaceful protest. I do believe that. But I believe that there's layers, right? So we can't just protest and that just be enough because it's not enough. There has to be more. People have protested for years. Um, that's enough to get people's attention. But I don't think you have to have something that comes behind it. So I don't think people really know what the next step is. There has to be a step two. Um, because at this point, they protested for 11 days. Today makes day 11. Mm -hmm. um, the first, when they very first started, there had been no arrests. Finally, they did arrest the first officer that had the knee in his neck. Mm -hmm. Then, consequently, about two nights ago, they arrested the other three officers. Mm -hmm. Even when they arrested them, I thought to myself, is this when the protesting is going to end? And then when it does end, then what's next? Right. I don't think they know what's next. That's why the protesting hasn't stopped yet. Mm. But 
something has to or someone has to mobilize someone has to emerge as a leader we have to organize at some level to figure out what are our list of demands everybody's protesting what do we want mm. we want to be seen in a humane way we don't want to be brutalized by officers that's for sure right um but what are ways that we can stop that? Is it better police training? Because we thought we had implemented that before these other 30 people were before George Floyd were killed. Right. And so you have these officers on the job that have been working for four days. So, Kevin, you know, they fresh out the academy. Yeah. Four days. Yeah. So you should have been the benefactors of all this new um, improved training. Right. But yet four days on the street, you participate in a murder. And so it's not even improving police relations with the community because then you saw in Buffalo. Wait, that they wait, wait. Before, before you go to Buffalo, watch this, though. But the lawyers for one of the lawyers for one of the two youngins, the rookies, was like, oh, no, we're going to throw Slim under the bus because they told him this was wrong. Well, you still sat on top of the motherfucking man. So what are you talking about? Exactly. You have to have the onus of your own person to say, you know what, I'm not going to do this just because everybody else says there is a, um, a system for um, for grievance with the police department. OK, like, let's say you did lean on this man and help him hold up or you decided not to participate in holding him down. And that that wall of blue was against you and you felt like the politics wasn't going to support you in not participating in that then you should be able to go to internal affairs or wherever it is and plead your case and say, this is why I thought it wasn't a good idea. Right. But because it's so, so um, political within the, the police force itself, right. it's not okay to do that because then what if you get exonerated and you're back on the street and then you find yourself in trouble, no one's going to come and help you because they're all going to turn their back on you because you didn't help this dude on the street that was putting his knee in this poor man's neck right so 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 go ahead with your point with the police officers in buffalo so um even you know even with the, the toxicity of that the thinking of some of these people that are police officers you know you have these officers in buffalo that bulldoze a poor 75 year old man he's a cancer patient knocked him to the ground and cracked his head open you watch the video and see the blood pooling out of his head into the sidewalk yep. and one of the other officers wants to go stop and help him and somebody tells him no don't do that those two people that knocked him down got suspended and then 57 of their peers quit the sort team 57 that means there's 57 people who will support people even in their wrongs even if it's on video to be attacking citizens that's not to protect and serve that's yeah that's that's some bullshit, and and then and then I'm I'm pissed because when I I you know somebody, you know corrected me because I didn't fully read the article because when I saw what happened I was like I don't need to fucking read the article I mean these niggas is some bullshit right but they said that they just resigned from the actual you know emergency response team and not the police force I said so these cocksuckers still got their job. Yeah, and the like, thing about it is, is that to me, it's irrelevant whether they quit their jobs or they quit the um, the emergency response team because that's extra money. The fact that they think the that their coworker gets suspended was wrong is like, wait, what? But the fact that they would support the fact of attacking a citizen, right? Like in my mind, that mindset is wrong, right? And so, like to me, that. 
we need to be aware and alert and we need to be woke beyond woke. You need to be paying attention because it's everything and what people don't say. If you don't have to listen to everything people say, watch what they do. Right. And we have to be totally aware and cognizant of what people are doing. And if 57 people said, I'm walking away from extra money, I'm walking away from protecting citizens, I'm walking away from doing what I signed up to do just because I know that it's right. But my two friends, this happened to them, so I'm going to support them. And I'm going to step away. That's a bad mindset. Right. And we just need to be prepared and know that if there's 57 of them in Buffalo, then there's 57,000 of them out here in the rest of the United States. And we need right. to be looking out for all of them. Right, right. And and, and I, I think, you know, at this point, um, you know, I, 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 like I said, I spoke to Real um, and he kind of, you know, gave me his. Um, breakdown and, and I'm asking you now because you're a woman you know you're a woman of color um and you like you said you 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 know you've been in DC 20 years so you hip you know what's going on and so you know like I asked him as a as a black person overall but specifically for you as a black woman like how do we operate from here on out well, I think it's really important that, um, you know, in our roles, that if for those of us who are wise enough, that we take people under our wing, mentor people, that we try to be as um, active as possible in our community, be advocates, be advocates, um, but guide people in the right direction. Use the knowledge that we have to help impart knowledge on those that don't um, understand, because those who are not privy and don't have the knowledge to stand for something will fall for anything. We need to empower youth to be able to operate 10 toes down strong and have them understand who they are and what they are and help them to educate themselves and um, and advocate for themselves. If somebody is doing something to you that doesn't seem right, we need to let them know that it's not. Right. And it can happen to anyone. Like for me, myself, I've got four college degrees, but there's sometimes that I feel like I get talked to like I'm a common nigger. And I run right. a million, multi-million dollar business. Right. And, um, you know, there was a time where somebody not too long ago talked to me really disrespectfully in a meeting, and I stopped right then and there in that meeting, and I said, you know what, I don't appreciate the way that you just spoke to me. And he was a white man, a very affluent white man. Mm. I, I don't appreciate the way that you just spoke to me. I'm respectful to everyone, and the way you talked to me was not okay. And that other white people in the room felt offended that I would say that I didn't appreciate that I was being the way I was being spoken to. Wow. And then somebody said, well, I guess it's just cultural. Well, what does that mean? What? That, that it's cultural? Wow. That you can speak to somebody in a rude way and that I'm supposed to accept it. And right. then later I was asked, well, you savagely attacked him. I savagely attacked someone when I told them that I was offended. Wow. Like, I'm, and I'm not going to apologize. And you can do whatever you want to do, but I'm not going to apologize because that's the same way as uh, people's perception is their reality. If I feel that the way you spoke to me was not okay, that I'm going to speak up about it. Right. We have to call people out on their stuff. As you should, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's one of the other ways that we move forward. We have to empower ourselves to let people know how we expect to be treated. What is okay and what is not okay. And we can't be scared to say it. I agree with we that. We cannot be afraid to say it. There have been so many times where I'm sure if everybody can reflect on situations in which they've been made to feel uncomfortable or inferior, it's not okay. And we cannot be afraid to say it. Right. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, and I think, 
for the most part, you know, on my end, you know, I, I've gotten, I've gotten to the point where, um, I'm trying to dial directly into the subject matter versus kind of talking around what's going on, even in my own personal life. You know what I mean? Trying to get to the root cause or whatever it is so we can kind of figure out what's going on, you know, to kind of, you know, you know, not keep going around this circle, this hamster wheel, trying to figure out, you know, what the fuck we supposed to be doing. Because I was telling real, you know, as a black man, you know, that kind of grew up and went through some of the shit that I went through. A lot of people don't understand why I, you know, um, in my younger days were maybe, you know, so aggressive, so volatile, so, you know, blunt. I was like, you know, it was because of my past. Like I, I, I shared a, a story with him where I was in Baltimore and I had got arrested um, and they transferred me to like this little school. And it was four other dudes in the room in the holding cell before we went and got to our cells. And I think they had overheard me on my phone conversation. And when when I got off the phone, I sat down, one of the dudes came over and asked me, you know, what was I in there for? You know, just trying to have some small talk. And another dude was like, oh, he from D.C. And right there, it was like now I'm in a position where I got to defend myself because, you know, back in the day, you know, D.C. and Baltimore, even though we only 45 minutes away, you know, we beefed all the time. And it was something that real said he was like it was instilled in him to beef with us. I was like, what? He was like, Slim, it was instilled in us not to fuck with y'all. I was like, wow. And then vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Us not to fuck with them. Even though we 45 minutes away. And I remember being in that cell, in that, in that, that little space with four other males trying to fight them off just because I was from DC. And I think for me, my mentality is kind of, it stems from that, from that always being in, in, in defense mode. Because even when I ask you, you know, is there such thing as a peaceful protest? You know, if you're there peacefully to protest, once that peace is broken, it's like now, what does this protest look like? It's like now you you in my face, you volatile. I got my hands up. You don't pull my mask down and spray me. Um, in in Georgia, they the uh, young man and young woman driving. They they uh, grabbed the young lady out of the car. I, I can't remember if they tased her and tased him, but I remember they broke the window. They flat the tire. Because they heard somebody say gun. Really? And I was, I was, Nicole, I was, I was not, I ain't gonna say shocked, but I was, I, my eyes was wide open when I saw five of those police officers were black. It, 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 it's like, like, really? Is, is that what we doing? Like, like seriously? So it's like, you know, when I have this tone towards certain things, it's not because I'm trying to be, you know, defensive or I'm not trying to be, you know, overly aggressive. I'm just kind of, speaking to the tone of what I've been through when I see certain shit like this. So and that's kind of why, you know, I asked you about the, the peaceful protest. But, you know, getting to the nuts and bolts of this conversation, you know, you know, we, we see what's going on. We see what kind of the direction it's been going in, you know, even with the protest, because, you know, everybody would say that, you know, um, they're looting, you know, they're just stealing stuff. And, you know, my thing was like, you know, they're stealing shit because they they don't have shit. They can't afford the shit that they stealing. And, you know, the bigger question is, why do they feel like they got to do that? Why are they even in that position? Why are they in a position where they have to steal or they have to do that? And I know some some do it just because, and I know others do it because they like, well, fuck it. If we're going to steal, I'm going to go ahead and take what I can take, right? But why are we even in that position? And even with that being asked, it's like now with everything that's going on, where, where do we go from here? So you, you, you sent me a video 
of a man uh, of a gentleman. His name is uh, Byron F. Wilson, who's the founder of the Wilson Academy. And so I, I kind of wanted you to, you know, kind of talk about that and, and, and kind of tell the people why you sent me that video. Well, I think that video was important because it kind of gets to the heart of the matter. And when we talk about when we do those protests, okay, the protests and the looting and all that is to get your attention. Right. But once we have the America's attention, then what? Right. What is the next thing? Right. And so his video really speaks more to uh, what the next steps are in um, our uh, efforts to move forward as a people to see any type of impact or any type of change. Right. One thing I found really powerful about the video as you listen to it is like we ask ourselves, like, why do we continue to be violated like this as a people? Mm. Why do we continue to be the scapegoat? and the whipping boy for the United States of America, these things right. continue to happen and no one is ever prosecuted. Right. But then we think about the level of impact that we have as a people, and there really is no economic impact that we have on the United States of America. They could continue to treat us um, as subhuman because there's nothing that we're contributing that really makes an impact to this world if we don't, if we don't bring it. Right. We're not bringing anything to the table. And when he breaks it down to the different subgroups and the different ethnic uh, groups that are in the United States and why they're not being treated like we are, it really makes a lot of sense. And one of the groups that he actually highlights in the video is he talked about the Jewish yep. uh, people. Yep. And why is it that the Jewish people are not violated and treated uh, the way that we are? And he talks about the economic benefit that the Jewish people bring to our society, how much money they have as a people. Economically, it doesn't make sense for them not to protect the Jewish. Right. Whereas we're not bringing as much to the table. I mean, the Jewish people, even during this COVID crisis, they have done whatever they wanted to do here in New York. They have broken all of the social distancing rules, having uh, funerals with thousands of people. They actually had a school that got busted the other day that they were still conducting school. I saw that. Law. I saw that. Um, they do whatever they want because they can. And economically, they are a powerhouse and they can afford to do so. Right. And so they even had to uh, have the mayor here in New York apologize to them. And they called him an anti-Semite because he he told them that they were breaking the rules. Right. And, and, so, I, and I saw a little bit of that video of the funeral on, online as well. Yeah, so it's like, and, and so you can't, he's right. Like, we don't bring enough economic power to the table for them to even care about us. We don't bring enough to the table to make a difference. And so, yeah, they're going to continue violating us until we do something better or something different. And I think that's what we need to think about, um, what our next steps are. What, what is the plan? We got to organize to mobilize. What's right. the next thing? Right. And I, I and I think for me a little bit, because I, I like to learn stuff. And I think when he spoke about, you know, restaurants, because he was like, you know, I'm not saying not go to the grocery store because we don't think, you know, we have enough stability, you know, of, of black owners with grocery stores. But definitely, you know, stop going to these Korean restaurants, stop going to the, you know, Jewish, Indian, whatever restaurants and stick with your your um your black restaurants. But one of the things that he said that I thought was key was he was like, if you go to a black restaurant and you don't necessarily like the service or you didn't like the food or whatever or whatever the case may be, don't necessarily put them on blast. Just go to management, let management know and kind of let management, you know, fix that problem. But don't just like, 
you know, put them on blast and, you know, say that they got horrible service and all this and all that. He was like, just don't go to that black establishment anymore. Go back to another one. And if you decide that you want to try and go back to that one, then you can. Because I was talking to a homie of mine and it was funny that he said the exact same thing. He was like, when, when we go to black owned businesses and we get poor customer service, what we do, we go right on Facebook and we and we blast them. You know, talk about how bad their service was, say they this, that, and the third, and you know, you know, ultimately, you know, fuck their business up. I mean, because people are like, oh, I ain't gonna go there then if they doing that. So I thought that was one of the key points, and as well as him saying that we need to, you know, just strictly deal with, you know, black, you know, own restaurants and things of that nature. But he laid out, you know, you know, a formal plan that I looked at on their website. You know, it's a it's a written plan. And he was like, the hashtag was, uh, is the hashtag we fight? I think the hashtag is we fight. And so I thought it was interesting that you sent me that because, you know, um, I hadn't heard anybody come up with a specific, you know, plan for what we need to do after this. Because we talked about, you know, the riots and, you know, how long it's been going on and what, we, what we've done and, you know, how that looks. But I remember back in the day, you know, when when they had the Alabama uh, bus boycott, I, I, I found out today that it was uh, the boycott was for over a year. So that means black people, instead of getting on the bus, they walked miles and miles and miles and miles to work and took those bus companies out of business because they they sacrificed themselves and walked to work. And it's like now it, it seems like we don't have people that's willing to sacrifice like that. I'm not saying that it's not, but it just seems that way. So it just, it just felt nice to hear him kind of have a plan. And it, and, and I, and, and I'm, I'm thankful that you sent it to me so I can hear it. And so, you know, do you think that the plan that he spelled out to a degree, do you think that's something that, that can work? I think it's something that can work, but honest, not, but I'm trying to always try to find another word. Uh, I think it can work. We have to put some things in place in order for it to be effective. Right. Uh, we all need to educate ourselves, uh, much like he has. We need to find people that are patient and can spell things out the way he did. Because the way he spoke, it yeah. was very engaging. It, it made was. you want to listen. It, it made was. you want to do something different. It did. made you want to change. Um and so when you have elders and mentors, like we don't have enough of those. Right. We need more people that are speaking into the situation and educating us. Um, honestly, you know, we talked about Delaware State, but mm-hmm. one I can honestly say, Kevin, I always I was mostly raised in California okay. and California is very much a melting pot. So everybody culturally pretty much gets along. OK, uh, when I was time for me to go to college, my parents told me I had to pick a, a black historically black college to go to and um, they went to delaware state okay and they were like well there's over 100 uh black colleges you need to pick one mm. where our money is not if we're not investing our money in a private white institution so if you want to go to college oh wow if you want to pay for it then you can choose one of those wow. if you want us to pay for it pick a hbcu that's what's up and that's what I did. Um, and that I had never really been around black people, a concentration of black people before in really? my life. Oh, okay. Ever. And so when I went to college, that was my first time being immersed in a, in a situation in which I was around all black people. Wow. And let me tell you what that did for me. Because after my first break in October, after being at Delaware State, mm-hmm. I stayed, I lived, I, I, I stayed at school the whole time. My parents never picked me up for, before Thanksgiving. So before, on my first break going home at Thanksgiving, 
after being immersed in all black people from August to November, just in that little bit of time, my senses were heightened. Mm. When I came back home to Northern Virginia, I, every little thing I noticed was different. Wow. Because after having been around black people, learning black culture, learning about my people, being submerged in my people, wow. that was the greatest gift my parents could have ever given me. And I think that that was what has brought me to the space where I am now. So while I wasn't around black people all the time, my parents always made me, uh, we did black history reports at home. My parents always talked to us. I felt like they were really militant. Mm. But when I actually went to college and was submerged in black culture for the five years that I was at Delaware State, I came out a completely different person. I think I would never be the person that I am now if my parents had not encouraged me to go to an entirely black institution because everything about me sucked in and absorbed everything about my blackness that I needed. That's what's up. It gave me everything. It was just like when you take one of those plants and you put dye in the in the cup right. and you put the white carnation in it right. and then you come back 24 hours later and all the dye from the cup goes into the petals. Right. It was one of those things. And so, you know, I came out being very much uh, empowered as a black woman in a black world to be able to support black children and black families and really come from a place of compassion and empathy, but also a place of fight. Because when I graduated from school, then I ended up teaching at a school in Northern Virginia where I ended up being the first black teacher they ever had in the school. Oh, and shit. That was horrible. Wow. It was a whole thing that was in Stafford County. The NAACP saw that the county was changing and there were more black families moving into the county. And so the NAACP went into all the black colleges and recruited teachers and put one black teacher at every school in the county. Oh, wow. One black teacher. In Stafford County? In Stafford County. Wow. Wow. And it was, I was the very first black teacher they had ever had at that school. This particular school had been open for 20 years. Look at you making black history. Look at you. <laughs> first black teacher <laughs> they ever had. There was a bunch of us that was the first black at each one of our schools in Stafford. Wow. We were the first black. This was a night's fall, 1998. Okay. So it wasn't long ago. Right. And, um, that's so, history. Dang. You, you know, after I couldn't take it though, after one year, there was no support. It was very racist. Even the staff members were very racist. Wow. Um, and I told my mom after that year, I said, I can't stay here. I said, I need to go back to D.C. I said, I think this that's more for me. Mm. And she said, but what about these black kids that you're leaving behind? They need somebody like you there to be a beacon of light for them. And I told her, I'm not even trying to be funny. I said, Mom, I'm not Martin Luther King. I, I can't be here to be the one to take the, all the beats and the bruises for these kids. Right. I can't take it. Right. And, and that was in 1998. Right. And, that and, wasn't too long and, ago. And 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 look at we at now. And your and your governor said the same thing. Your governor said that 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 um, Rodney King. That was 30 years ago. Look at what we, look look what we look what we still dealing with. And we're not moving fast. That's we're crazy. not moving far. And so, like, that's why I say that, you know, in terms of peaceful protest, like, that's great. But when are we going to get to the next step? Because how many years and years go by where we're not making movement? We're not right. getting any traction. Right. We don't have any leaders that are telling us, you know, what's the next step. Like, there's some people out there with great, um, getting great sound bites, like Killer Mike. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't think those are great sound bites. But we need leadership. I agree. 
I, I, I agree. And I'm not sure who that's going to be. And it's not going to be every time something happens that they're going to call Obama to come and rest the rest the natives. Right. Like because every time something happens or or Trump makes a huge misstep, they think that they got to get Obama on TV or on the radio to make a speech to us wow. to calm us down. Nicole, wow. That's wow. not it either. Wow. I I mean I'm. I mean, I'm I'm feeling you because you're saying exactly what I've been saying to myself when I watch it. Because I'm like, damn. I mean, every time something jump off, Obama on TV. I'm like, what what is that about? So that's wow, wow. Yeah, because they don't want us to to really to really burn the shit down and really go crazy like we could when Trump says and does disrespectful stuff. Right. Like today, for him to invoke George Floyd's name, talking about the unemployment. Joe, um, rape, that was that was that Joe. Was disrespectful. Joe, he has no idea. Joe, listen. So I'm gonna give you a quick story too. So today I had some deliveries, and one of my deliveries was in the upper northwest um, part of D.C. And kind of find out the neighborhood that I was in was Obama's neighborhood, but I didn't know that until after the fact because I couldn't find the alley to get to the lady's house. So I had to stop and add the police officer. But as I hit the street, it was a police officer um, the wrong way on at the stop sign on one street, and then it was another police officer on the one way at the at the other stop sign at the other end of the street near the alley. And then it was a car right in the middle of the street. It was a big black SUV and it was like four black dudes in it. And mind you, both of the police officers in the cars, they all black. I was like, damn, all these black people. Then I saw that truck. I said, oh, it's something going on out here. So I ain't want to keep circling because I got this black truck with black tents and black rims. They didn't be like, who the fuck is this? So I pulled up, I rolled all my windows down, not all my, I rolled my passenger window all the way down so the officer can see me. So I was like, hey man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for this address, I can't find the alley. So they was cool, and they ended up helping me and shit. He was like, yeah, you know, we gotta make sure the big homie is alright. And when he said that, I was like, oh, I think I know who he talking about, you know, without saying who he was talking about. So I was in that neighborhood today, and I thought it was, um, I don't know, I just thought it was something about them protecting him and, and it just being all black men. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know why that just hit me, but it did. And so, um, you know, when I kind of think about him and kind of think about where we at right now, I'm not necessarily saying that it's a good or a bad thing that he comes on TV and that he tries to, you know, talk to us as his people. But I feel like at the end of the day, you know, even when we discuss Mayor Bowser and putting um, Black Lives Matter in the street and putting you know, I think it's is it. I think it's Black Lives Matter way. I believe it. That's the name of the street that, that the signs uh -huh. that they put up. I'm not saying like you said that it's going to end any. You know that it's going to end everything, but it does shine a beacon of light right at that fucking house, that White House where, where your boy live at. You said he's the the tangerine toddler. It'll uh -huh. it, it it'll give him something to think about. You know what I mean? As he's walking his ass up out of office, because the final discussion for us, you know, you know would be, you know, voting. I, I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but, you know, I'm tired of having the discussion with people who keep giving me excuses about why they don't want to fucking vote when they say voting doesn't matter. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up, because even in the piece that you sent me with um, Mr. Byron um, F. Wilson, he mentioned that, that, that voting wasn't the end-all, be-all, but financing who we vote for was kind of the the new direction we should be going in. So do you do you agree that voting isn't the end all be all or do you still think voting is a vital tool for change? I think 
voting is vital for change. However, um, there's a couple of different uh, variances that could impact it, right? Mm -hmm. So if everybody doesn't take advantage of their opportunity to vote, then that's one of their variances. The other thing is, is that we had the Russians infiltrate our voting system. So if we we don't know that voting is absolutely fair or that it's going to be done the way it should be done, um, people play unfair. I know here in New York, I reported an issue with voter suppression because they do little sneaky stuff. Like they do. They gave us the place where we were supposed to poll. Then we went to go poll, go vote at the polls and the streets were blocked off. Yep. So then it was like, okay, how am I supposed to get to this polling place if you blocked off the streets? How mm-hmm. do I get to this place so that I can place my vote where I'm properly supposed to vote? So, you know, in a, this is America. People are crooked. Yeah. Everything is not fair. But we at least have to say that we did our part to try to make that effort yeah. um it's sad because all of our options are not the best ones um you know biden is okay but maybe you know as it was looking with we had 50 million candidates on the democratic ticket at one point there were too many that you couldn't even name them all in one sitting and then it eventually it was went terrible down you know until until just to just biden basically yeah um and so it's like if we if we there are so many different uh, variables that are in, impacting it, but we have to go out and we have to vote if you're able. Right. You know, we have to encourage our kids to exercise their right to vote if they're 18. Um, your vote is your voice, and not only just in the national elections, but these local elections are so important. Right. Because these are the people that make these decisions when mm-hmm. it comes down to time where, you know, there, there are small things that just impact your community, that that is your voice. Your right. vote is your voice. I just, I just found out today that the the county um shit that the that the county, county executive, executive appoints the police chief appoints mm-hmm. we don't vote for that you they appoint that person so i'm like you know it's little stuff like that knowing that where you know i think i mean I, i'm not saying that i don't like chief sawinski but i just feel like you know, the way this officer shot my man Boo-Boo in the car eight times while he was in the seatbelt, I thought that was really fucked up. And then, to uh-huh. hear, and then to hear that he had past shit going on, he shot somebody in Landover, he had a young lady in the back of his vehicle handcuffed trying to, you know, assault her. I was like, see, and, and how, how did that get overlooked? And now you got my man Boo-Boo, you know, whether he was, you know, uh, allegedly high or, you know, tired, fell asleep or whatever, hit a couple cars. Like his mother said, whatever he did did not mean he had to lose his life over it. And, I mean, he shot that man eight times in the front of a cruiser. I'm like, who does that? And so I'm not saying that everything falls on the chief, but it just made me understand that even on the smaller level, if we educate ourselves and find out who's the county, uh, who's the county executive, you know, who is she looking at for chief of police and all of that? I mean, because one of the biggest issues in our area, in, you know, in PG County is policing, you know, how they how they treat us. I can't remember the young man's name, but I remember it was a traffic stop and the young man ended up being fucking uh, a paraplegic. Like, how the fuck does that happen? In in the hands of the police. And I remember back in the in, in the 90s in like 93, 94, maybe 95 you know, P- P- Prince George's County, PG, that's what PG meant. But, you know, for brothers like me, PG meant plead guilty. Because if you got because mm. if you got caught, they will fuck you up and make you plead guilty. So, you know, the Prince George's mm-hmm. County Police Department has been fucked up for years. 
for years. So I can't just say now we got to get Chief Zawinski out of there. But I'm just saying, just knowing that now I know that the county executive appoints and not vote the chief, then that's a way we can say, okay, we're going to vote for this person because she's going to appoint this chief and just, you know, go down the line. So that's why I say, I mean, I still think voting is important, but I, you know, I understand and hear some of the people's, um, I don't want to say excuses because that's going to seem insensitive. I hear the people's um, um, issues with, mm-hmm. you know, or, or concerns, so to speak, with voting and why. And, you know, it hasn't worked for years. Why would I keep doing that? But it, it has to be some form of putting pen to paper. Right. I heard somebody say the other day that it's not enough of us that deal with these police encounters and we do not go to the police station where they where these police where these police officers police and file complaints on them you know ask them for their information and put pen and paper we definitely don't do that mm-hmm. we definitely don't There's do that no, but that's continues with the follow-through we right. don't have follow-through as a people we don't have follow-through wow. like we have these great ideas we have these grand plans but how do we follow through so in a, in a way that's effective and efficient that gets us to the goal line right we don't right we don't do it. And 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 tonight, it's funny that, you know, how conversations go. Real was saying how it seems like they're not moving the finish line. They're moving the starting line. We can't even get a start. We can't even get shit going because they just keep pushing it back. Every time something happened, another black man dead, another black woman died. It's just like, come on, man, what are we doing? And that's why it kind of ties into the protesting part because I heard people talking about you know, protesting, and the young lady spoke about, you know, why, you know, well, not why, but how she felt about protesting in general, and whether it was good or bad, and I thought that was a great video as well, and so I wanted to kind of talk to you about the plan part, you know, because I know you were talking about that on Facebook, and then the video that you sent me kind of, you know, tied into our conversation, so um, I don't know, I mean, I mean, is there a final thought for you of 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 of, of, of how that plan should look for us? Well, I think we can start in the places where we can, right? So voting is one of the places where we can start empowering ourselves to be uh, wise and actually have a plan in terms of our little village in the world. Like one of my, today I was saying, I said, I do what I can in my corner of the world. And if we all exercise and use our influence in our little corners of the world, then we would be able to impact some level of change, even if we just did that much. I think a lot of people are sitting back waiting for other people to exercise their influence right. to be able to give them a free ride, if that makes sense. Yeah, it um, And nobody wants to be the one, oh, I thought she was doing it. Oh, well, I thought he was doing it. Right. And then nobody does it, and then it doesn't get done. Right. Um, it can't operate like that. Everybody has to be... Um, it's everybody has to be responsible and held accountable to do what they can do in their end of the world. Right. Um, you know, for me, it's educating people. I'm an educator. Right. I empower other educators. I mentor educators. I give people jobs in my schools here in New York City. I have two schools, one in the South Bronx, one in Harlem. Okay. My schools are 100 percent teachers are, are black and brown. 100 percent of the wow. leadership of my schools are black and okay. brown women. Okay. And so 
I'm impacting change and I'm educating in my corner of the world. Whatever I could do here in New York City, I'm doing that. And everybody should be um, accountable to do what they can do. And they should encourage their children to do, not just because it's right now. Like my dad went today to a, um, he led a, a, a forum in Virginia at a church for some kids and uh, families to talk about race relations and things like that. And that's great, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't just be now in a time of strife where we should be getting together and talking and schooling people. So our plan could look like a lot of things. I think that it would be great if we had some type of leadership to help us guide us to the next space. Um, I think it's important that we speak up and that we let people know how we want to be treated. But at the same time, um, you know, with this white privilege, right? I don't think that I have, I have, I think it's nice that people want to know how they can help make things better for us. But in a way, I feel like that's kind of pandering to us. I feel I'm not in a place right now where I want people to come and ask me, okay, now what should I do for you black people to make you feel better? Like, I know I've been your friend for a really long time (laughs) and I know I'm white and I feel really bad about that. But how how can I make you feel better about being black in America? Well, first of all, I'm not the spokesperson for all the black people in America. I don't want you to come and ask me. I could just tell you how I want to be treated. But I don't want you to really come and think that I'm going to give you a whole, I have a dream speech on how you should treat me as a person. How do you treat your other friends? How do you, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how I feel about that. I'm a little confused. And then also the whole thing about, um, like the other day they were protesting here in the Bronx and it was on the news and they were calling all the white people to the front. Whenever the police were coming, they're like white people to the front. Why are you calling the white people to the front? You want them to use their privilege to shield you guys so that the police won't give you a hard time. Right. I don't know how I feel about that. Right. So, you know, there's still a lot of questions and there's still a lot more work to do. But I, I think that there are things that we personally can do in our own space and time, in our own corners of the world, until we get to a place where we can do something better. Nicole, I appreciate you, man. I'm a... Um... I'm gonna share this. I'm gonna share this. Uh, the audio. I didn't. I didn't do the video version, but I recorded it. So I'm gonna share the audio with the audience so they can hear um, Mr. Byron F. Wilson, of founder of the Wilson Academy, and kind of hear this plan that he's talking about. I mean, because it, it it intrigued me a little bit. Like you said, it intrigued me a little bit, and I hadn't heard anything like this on any platforms thus far. So when I heard it, I was like, wow. And when you sent it to me, I was like, all right, I'm going to hit her and see if she available and we're going we gonna to chop it up. So I appreciate you giving me some of your time, man. You know, and, and again, like I told real, you being an educator, um, I got, I got a powerful, um, thing that I'm doing. I'm, 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 I'm forming with a, with a couple of my, um, longtime friends, man. We're going to, um, form this, this nonprofit, um, called type DMV, um, teaching youth prosperity, um, and excellence. And so, you know, I want to pair up with some educators, you know, and kind of, you know, pick y'all brains on how we should, you know, kind of organize our programs and, 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 and get involved with the community in the community just to make sure we kind of doing it in a way that's going to be impactful. We want to make sure it's meaningful. You know, we don't want to just start something up and, you know, just lay it by the wayside. We want to actually make sure we're out there every day, um, doing something impactful in somebody's life. And, and I, and I told the guys when we first started, I said, I, I'm, you know, I'm specifically targeting young black men, you know, specifically, but I'm not going to ever discriminate towards the young women or their families, you know, meaning the mother or the father, because everybody needs help. And I think, you know, mental health stands from a root of a lot of the stuff. But, you know, I'm not a professional, so I let the professional speak on that. But I just say in my personal opinion, I think, you know, mental health is 
you know, one of those things that we can help. So I, again, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate, you know, you sharing your two cents. I love the live um, today. I, I think that you inspired a few people um, by the by the comments that I saw. So, again, I thank you for coming on, man. And, and hopefully I can kind of pick your brain later on um, and just ask, yeah, just ask you some questions about, you know, whatever I need and see if you can point me in the right direction. Always. No problem. Thank Please. you for having me. Hey, so I would say, man, listen, I, I know you up in New York, man. I want you to be safe. I want you to be easy. You know, I don't, you know, I want you to be careful because, you know, like 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 you mentioned, man, you know, even with the protests, it's not over. We still dealing with COVID-19. It's not for over. Sure. We still got to protect ourselves. So I want you to be safe up there. OK. All right. Thank you so All much. Right. Take care, Kevin. Thank you. Bye bye. I'm Byron F. Wilson, founder of the Wilson Academy. The riots that have taken place all over the country and now all over the world are inevitable. And contrary to the opinions of some, the riots are both effective and necessary. The problem is, it's not a sustainable path to what we want. But then what next? What are we supposed to do? That's what this message is about, what we're going to do. Young people, my college students, my high school students, you're ready to act. You're ready to fight. But no one's listening to you. They just keep telling you to go home, but I hear you, and we have a plan. In order to find a solution, we must first understand why this is happening. The reason that officers of the law and private citizens acting as if they're officers of the law continue to murder us is because we can offer no consequence. For example, the reason you don't see Jewish people being murdered by police is because the Jewish community can provide economic consequences. They own things collectively. They're well invested in the media and the law, and they've built a strong community by focusing on exclusive internal growth and wealth building. But when members of the black community are murdered by white officers or vigilantes, we peacefully protest, focus on whatever election is upcoming, and ultimately there are no convictions for the criminals. There's something that we missed about how the civil rights movement was effective. Protesting was just the beginning. It was to unify the people and bring attention to the issue. But the next step was always economic action, boycotting, investing in our communities. Then that economic action is what forced legislation. The reason our efforts continue to fail is because we first of all keep asking for change instead of forcing it. But secondly, because we keep skipping a critical step in the process. So what do we want? Well, in the short term, we demand justice. In the long term, we demand reform. But we must be specific if we are to hold our nation accountable. So we demand three things. One, we demand convictions and equitable and appropriate prison time for all officers involved in the murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and all parties involved in the lynching of Ahmaud Arbery. Two, we demand legislation that ensures independent review of public safety officers. And three, we demand a modification to the standards by which officers can be prosecuted. I'm sure you've heard people say, if you want change, get to the polls. Now, I'm not suggesting voting is useless, but the reality is voting will not solve our problems. In fact, we cannot allow ourselves to become distracted by political affiliations. The only way to get the change we seek is to show strength both economically and physically. So first, let's address physical strength. It is both irrational and un-American for us to continue to be met with force and not respond in kind. This is why we need all able black Americans to exercise their constitutional rights and legally 
acquire a firearm. Perhaps Ahmad Arbery would be alive right now had he been able to defend himself against the thugs who lynched him. And under Georgia's standard ground laws, well, he would have been within his legal rights. To all my gangbangers, my bloods, my crips, GDs, folk, everybody, I'm asking you to help us protect our communities from the white supremacist groups who would harm us. You are already armed, and you're not afraid to die. I hope that you see fit to call a truce and unite against a greater common enemy in order to protect our children, our mothers, our sisters, aunties, and grandmothers. Now we must address how we fight economically. America doesn't particularly care about black life. If it did, we wouldn't still be facing what we're facing right now. What America does care about is black dollars. So we have to start speaking America's language. Effective immediately, we will only buy food from black-owned restaurants. This does not apply to grocery stores, as we don't feel there are enough black-owned grocery stores nationwide at this point to accommodate the initiative. However, there are many grocery items you can find on sites like WeBuyBlack.com. Now, our black-owned restaurant initiative means that you will need to avoid many of your favorite restaurants, but you will discover new black-owned favorites. And you must ask yourself what's more important. Understand that this is only phase one of a larger plan. We will implement phase two in the weeks to come. But this is something that everyone can do. So what's the point? And why will this work? According to both Nielsen and the CDC, black people eat more fast food than anyone. By diverting our billions of dollars, we will accomplish two things. One, change is not free. Supporting only black restaurants keeps our money in our communities, money we can ultimately leverage to create the changes we all want to see. And two, it uses our money, money we're already spending anyway, to create powerful billionaire allies. These companies will do what is necessary to get our dollars back. And if that means helping us to meet our objectives, well, then that's what they'll do. There are a few important notes to make when concerning this plan. This is not a boycott. We are not punishing white businesses. We are simply consumers who are making a choice to exclusively support black restaurants and the strategic interest of justice and reform. Please note that we are exclusively supporting black-owned restaurants, not minority-owned. The terms black and minority are not interchangeable. So, to my Chinese, Korean, Arabic, and Indian restaurant owners, we have nothing against you personally. But if we don't do this now, there will be none of us left to buy your products anyway. If a franchise location is owned by a black person, eat at that location exclusively. We will not harm our own people. There are websites like eatblackowned.com that you can use to find black-owned restaurants in your area. But I'm confident that once everyone learns of our initiative, they'll let you know how to find them. We will not support non-equitable services. We will support black restaurants that offer the quality and service we deserve. And if we have a negative experience, we will not generalize and say, see, this is why I don't support black businesses. We will simply express our concerns to the management, and if we so choose, we just won't go back to that particular restaurant, just as we would behave with a restaurant that isn't black-owned. This is not a one-day event. Did you know that the famous Montgomery bus boycott lasted over a year? 381 days to be exact. It takes time and consistency to have impact, just as it took time and consistency to implement the racist constructs we are fighting. We will continue with our strategy until our demands are met. At times, this will not be easy. You will be tempted to stray, but please accept 
that there can be no change without sacrifice. A brief message to white Americans. We don't hate you. We don't hate America. We just need it to work for us in the same way it works for you. Please stop saying all lives matter. Saying all lives matter is like one house in a subdivision is on fire. The fire truck arrives, and you ask the fireman to douse your house with water, even though it's not on fire, because your house is important too. We've been asking for equality for hundreds of years now. Please process that. Understand, we're done asking. This word you see on my shirt is ukurua. It's Zulu. It means fight. Black people, I need us to know that we are bigger than slavery. Our existence didn't begin when we became useful to America. We have our own continent, our own African culture, our own independent history. We are better than begging to not be murdered. The time has come for us to fight. And now we know how. Now this plan cannot work if people don't know about it. So if you do nothing else, it's important that you share this post or the link to this post on all your social media. And whenever you mention the plan, please use the hashtag HowWeFight. You can find a hard copy of the plan at thewilsonacademy.org. Remember, hashtag HowWeFight. Share the post. It's necessary to know that everybody won't see it, that everybody won't join you, that everybody won't have the vision. It's necessary to know that, that a lot of people like to complain, but they don't want to do anything about their situation, that you are an uncommon breed. You know, you have to know within yourself that I can do this. Even if no one else sees it for me, I must see it for myself. That's necessary.